0: Um, to 1st Timothy 1st Timothy chapter 1 as we continue our series our exposition through Paul's letter to Timothy 1st Timothy chapter 1 and today we'll spend our time in verse 18 to 20 but really to get a context let us read from verse 12 Hear the word of God as it comes to you from the English Standard Version. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal and visible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them, you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hermeneus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let me pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we cry out to you this morning and ask that oh god you would speak to us through your word and by your spirit and that we will not remain the same that if as we walk out of these doors we would not uh, still be in our slumber and still be resolved to live in um, rebellion i pray that you would change us Grow us from strength to strength from glory to glory may we Experience the true and real Christian life That is full of love joy peace patience Kindness as a result of the preaching of your word and Lord God ignite a, a holy fire in our hearts a holy zeal that will be felt all across Harare as a result of the preaching of your word. Would you keep my hearers attentive? Would you address some situations that may be troubling our people this morning? And oh Lord, I pray that if there's anyone at the end of my voice who does not know you, either in this room or who will ever listen to this sermon, and if they don't know you, that they will know you through Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. We've arrived at the eighteenth verse of the first chapter of Paul's letter to Timothy, and just a quick recap uh, by way of reminder that we have established the following as we have journeyed through First Timothy. Firstly, it was Paul who wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith. Secondly, we see that Timothy was to remain in Ephesus so that he may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So all in all, Timothy was to deal with the false teaching in Ephesus and establish a church. And thirdly, the way he was to do this was to expose false teaching for what it is, to rebuke false teachers in their misuse of the law and in making the confident assertions that they made about things they did not know about, hence leading people to live lawless and disobedient lives, liberal lives that do not glorify God and as a consequence were in contrast or contrary to sound doctrine. Bad teaching produces bad living. Fourthly, not only did the uh, the Apostle Paul expose false teaching, but he taught the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The foundation of all things in life is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The foundation of a healthy church is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the foundation of a healthy society is the gospel being accepted and flourishing in a healthy society the gospel of our lord jesus christ so all life must be centered on the gospel must be brought under subjection of the lordship of christ so after having presented the gospel to timothy what jesus has done for us what jesus has done for the apostle paul uh, sorry. So after having presented the gospel to Timothy, what Jesus has done for him and Paul, the apostle Paul now renews the charge to Timothy, as we see in our text today. And the title of my sermon is, A Call Not to Swerve from the Truth. A Call Not to Swerve from the Truth. And I want us to see, firstly, that remember your identity in Christ, verse 18. Secondly, I want us uh, to see that we must remain steadfast in Christ. And lastly, refuse to live contrary to your call. But even before we get into any exposition, dear friends, I want to start by laying a foundation, by way of introduction, <laughs> that the Christian life is warfare. This is why Dietrich Bonheifer, who was charged with attempting to assassinate Adolf Hitler, wrote in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Come and die. This was a man who was hanged for trying to assassinate Adolf Hitler. From the day one is born to the day they are taken home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, it is war on every front. A full-fledged battle between man and his own flesh. A full-fledged battle between man and the devil. Satanic attacks. Satanic forces. A full-fledged war between man and his own adversaries. Be it in the church or outside the church. A battle that is lifelong with consequences of sin, diseases. Illness, decay, loss of life, failure, disappointment.
1: Well, may the hymn writers
0: say, oft our cherished plans have failed and disappointments have prevailed. Life, dear friends, is a great disappointment in general. No perfection on this side of eternity, but Jesus walks beside me. And brightens the journey and lightens every heavy load. By way of introduction, this will help us understand why Paul was renewing this charge to Timothy, who may have faced a lot of trouble in the church, who may have faced a lot of discouragement. So firstly, I want us to see in our call not to swerve from the truth as I'm addressing you, brethren. Number one, remember your identity in Christ. Verse 18. This charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Time and time again, we need... To be reminded that our identity in Christ, especially in the midst of discouragement, false teaching, and just troubled times, That our identity is in Christ. If you are a Christian, your identity is founded in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come you're a completely new creature your identity has changed your citizenship has changed new life colossians 3 1 3 verse 1 to 4 where paul is really and truly exhorting the christians or charging the christians to put on the new self he says if then You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is at the right hand. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Verse 3, our main focus. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear With him in glory. New life. In Christ. Hidden. There's a picture there. That is Christ. Is all encompassing. Of his children. Of his people. You are. Hidden in him. Therefore then the father. It pleased the father. To crush the son. He took upon the wrath of God for you. But not only that, you are in Christ, you are hidden for eternity. Nothing can snatch you out of His grasp. Nothing can snatch you out of His sovereign covering. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. And this is what the Apostle Paul is encouraging or exhorting Timothy. He's encouraging this elder, his true son in the faith, that despite discouragements that you see in the church, despite false teaching, despite problems in the church and people causing havoc, I charge you, discharge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. Now, this word charge is quite a prominent feature. If you look at verse 3 there, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons. Verse 5 The aim of our, ch- of our charge Is love Verse 18 The charge So you see there's military language There's language of subordination Of commandeering Like young man I charge you To s- submit To authority I charge you To discharge your duties as a soldier of Christ and this charge is really he's reminding the Timothy that you are under the Lord Jesus Christ I as an Apostle Paul I'm charging you in the Lord I entrust this to you this great deposit of the gospel to continue the work that I told you to do. Now, because of his identity in Christ, first and foremost, his salvation in Christ, he was to, A, remember to discharge his duties as a faithful soldier in Christ. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. You see, this language, this charge, I entrust you. Because of the identity that you have in Christ. So first and foremost, we see that a minister of the gospel must be converted. You're just not a minister. You must be a Christian. Your identity must have been changed. And this is why the Apostle Paul could entrust this message of the gospel to Timothy. Because he was a Christian. He was converted. We don't just train people who are not believers. In gospel ministry. Remember your identity in Christ. One of the marks of a healthy church. Is elders. And pastors who train men. For ministry. Who pass down truth. To men who also teach the congregation. And this truth is moved from head knowledge to action, to the heart. The truth of God's word must affect the hearts. It must affect the limbs. The truth of God's word must propel us to action. Otherwise, it's dead orthodoxy, it's dead theology. It's useless. So you now know Christ. Then what? How is it that shown practically in your life? This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made. About you We see that The charge That the apostle Paul Gave to Timothy Was based upon Or backed up by prophecy And this is highlighted In a few texts In the scriptures Would you turn with me to 1st Timothy 4.14 1st Timothy 4.14 The word of God reads there Do not neglect the gifts you have which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Oh, Second Timothy 1 verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my So, we see that this charge was not only based on his identity in Christ, but there was prophecy about this man, Timothy. There was a special call. He was was meant to be part of this work. And this this was serving as an encouragement from the Apostle Paul to say, remember, in case you become so discouraged, remember that this was prophesied and we laid hands on you. So continue the work. Continue to do the work. And it's an encouragement to all ministers all across the globe. That even when you're facing difficult times in ministry remember your identity in Christ that first and foremost you're a Christian but second of all you have been called to this ministry. The elders have laid hands on you. Go and preach the word. Do not swerve left, right or center. Do not be involved in civilian activities. Do not be involved in politics. But preach the word. Hence the call to not swerve from the truth. William Hendrickson comments. They singled out Timothy for special service in God's kingdom. summarizes his duties. His duties predicted his suffering and strengthened him with the promise of divine help in all his trials. For the preacher, sorry, for the Christian preacher or non-preacher alike. Listen to this encouragement. God will aid you in times of trial. And the scriptures attest to that. As you are living the Christian life As you read this text You may be tempted to think No this is is only for pastors No it's for you Scriptures are for us And so God will aid you In times of discouragement So as for you not to swerve From the truth Because we can easily be discouraged Easily fall out of lies Easily Missed the mark And it is upon this calling And these prophecies He was to fight the good fight Look at verse 18 This charge I entrust to you Timothy my child In accordance with the prophecies Previously made made about you That by them By them By these prophecies By this identity in Christ You may wage The good warfare There it comes again that the Christian life is war. Why does the Apostle Paul call call it uh, the good fight? Well, as long as you are in Christ, the victory has already been won for you. And so you need to finish the course. (laughs) It's like a child who is sick. And you go and you get medication for them. You've already done the work. They just have to take the pills and finish the course. So there it is. Because of Christ. You and I must fight the good fight. We must wage the good war. We must not be passive. Christians who are just weak and uh, downtrodden and uh, you know uh, bashed by anything bashed by any coming winds we must wage war there's a picture of offense (laughs) there's an offensive we must take if you are saying well pastor I'm struggling with a certain sin I will say to you wage war against it if you are in Christ and the spirit of God dwells in you. You must wage war against prayerlessness. You must wage war against uh, certain habits that are hindering your spiritual growth. You must forsake the things that you must forsake. The Christians were still very childish in their approach to life. But Paul is saying to you, wage war. fight the good fights. With all thy might. Christ has already won the victory. Fight. It's not The Christian life is not passive. Because daily we are faced with myriads of things. Myriads of thoughts. Myriads of attacks. Even this morning as you are coming to church. You had doubts in your mind. Whether you should go and worship with the people of God. When I should sing, or do I have confidence in my singing, or maybe I should just go to work? Those are attacks. It's a war. It's a war daily. Should I love my wife? But she's not submitting to me. She doesn't listen to me. I tell her, please do this. I say, no, but how am I to conduct myself? To remember our identity in Christ. And our call to the Christian life. And to fight the good fight. With all that might. Timothy was to put on the full armor of God. I always say this dear brethren. Daily put on the full armor of God. Because Satan is out to get us. Daily. Even habits of sleeping in church. That is satanic attack. It is. Just when it comes to spiritual things, become lethargic. Wage war. Wake up. You need to be someone who's willing to fight. Say, I cannot let this thing overcome me. Let us look then a call to not swerve from the truth, verse nineteen, which is to remain. So you remember your identity in Christ as I have demonstrated there by the grace of God. Now you are to remain steadfast in Christ. There is a a staying put. Verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. There is a temptation in the Christian life where life is difficult, where the Christian begins to be tempted to let go. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Tempted to give up on life, to give up on everything, to just say, let me just give in to sin and live like those people. Anyway, it's, it, it's got no bearing on me. Let me just live a wanton life. I could just run away, and no one will ever know where I am. That's a that's a call, a temptation to swear from the truth. When that happens, temptation is then to give in to sin. When somebody's discouraged, they want to let go. Temptation is to then give in to false teaching. We must be careful when we are at our weakest to be watchful of our lives and what we believe. Because that's when false teaching comes in. When you've lost a job, you've lost someone, things are not going well in your life, that is when you're at your weakest. You need to be most watchful. That's why Paul is saying to Timothy, young man, I know that you are struggling. I know that it's tough. I know that you're seeing the tough, is, the tough is, is, is going. But hold, holding faith and a good conscience. The word hold in the Greek there has the idea to take possession of, to take ownership of, as if your life depended on it. And I want you to think to see this that there is a close connection between the Christian faith and a good conscience. This is why Paul says, "Holding faith and a good conscience." Now, the faith there is basically, obviously, the Christian faith. Sound living or sound teaching produces sound living. He's saying, amidst the trials, hold on to sound doctrine, even if people are leaving the church hold on to sound doctrine so that you would minister with a sound conscience, with a good conscience. There is a connection. As Paul was to hold on to the faith, he was to minister with a good conscience. And on the other hand, If he was to hold on to the good faith, hold on to the faith, he was to, uh, well, he was to do it in good conscience. Because if you let go of the faith, let go of true sound doctrine, then you won't be able to minister with a good conscience. And I will demonstrate just now. Listen to John Kelvin. As he comments on this verse he says on the other hand the punishment of a bad conscience is turning aside from the path of duty they who do not serve God with a sincere and a perfect heart but give a loose rein of wicked disposition even though at first they had a sound understanding come to lose it all together which is why you see at the second half of the verse in verse 19 holding faith in a good conscience by rejecting this some have made shipwreck of their faith and that's what john kelvin is coming to let me apply this i'll apply it to the pastor first and then to the ordinary member first of all a pastor who's not teaching with a good conscience is likely to abandon expository preaching and resort to jokes and gimmicks and stories. And when he does that, he will drift further and further from the truth and begin to preach things that are powerless. No conviction. So that's why we must remain steadfast in Christ. We must remain holding the faith, taking ownership of the faith, praying. It's not legalism. One man said of his his hypocritical pastor, he's such a good preacher, he should never get out of the pulpit. But he's such a poor Christian, he should never get into the pulpit. Your doctrine and your life must match. You say I'm one thing here and then behind the scenes you're someone else. You're doing a disservice to God and his people. I'm I'm just someone in front of people. They have to see me as a respectable man. But when you're elsewhere where people cannot see you, you're living like a resident of hell. Conscience is very important in the Christian life. Let me apply it to the church member. A church member who is living a double life cannot minister with a good conscience. In fact, if they are in sin, they will do all they can to avoid fellowship, to avoid worship, to avoid friends. To avoid the church, even church activities. However, on the other side of the coin, even if they are serving seemingly in a good conscience, but they are living in a double life of hypocrisy, it is not too long before God reveals what they were to. This is what Paul is saying. Some have made a shipwreck of their faith by rejecting Service with a good conscience, a clear conscience. When we talk about a good conscience, we're talking about someone who's living a life of integrity, a life that was one who can come before God and say, "God, you know my heart. You know my activities during this week. Vindicate me. And you know my disposition towards." You. And this was the life. That, this is the life of the Christian life, dear friends. This is describing the Christian life. It's not describing the life of a pastor. No. The life of a Christian. You must be what you are here and what you are in private. A person of integrity. Good conscience. Being with a good conscience is freeing because you know that you are teaching the truth and you're striving by the help of the Lord to live in accordance with sound doctrine. You're not just teaching sound doctrine, but you are living with accords to its parameters. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. Verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So self-watch, watching the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. If you want to lead people astray, live a double life. God will expose you. As we see here paul says some have made a shipwreck of their faith i'll just do small small thoughts there do not aggravate your tender conscience by meddling in wickedness you see when you leave the door open for sin what it does is that it hardens your heart There is a hardening, and before you know it, you are no longer as effective as you were for Christ. That is making a shipwreck of your faith. When you open the door for certain things that will soil your soul or soil your conscience. You can feel powerless before God. You can feel like I cannot stand before a holy God. And for sure. Because God does not dwell with sin or evil or darkness. And that is why there has to be a watchfulness that is there as a Christian. Watch your appetites. Watch the people you are hanging out with. Watch the things that entertain you. Watch your conversations. And watch when you begin to disdain the preaching of God's word, prayer. You have entered into temptation. The shipwreck thing is not about you losing your salvation. As Paul himself had been in many shipwrecks. He knows that the boat is unfixable. Sometimes there are Christians who have destroyed their own testimonies, such that from the time they sinned until they die, their lives have not been the same. Even as they repent, as God, we us for God will forgive you. God will forgive. Yes. But you have made a ship, you have made a mess of it for Let me close in verse 20. I won't uh, do the whole thing because I want to really focus on church discipline using this verse the next time out. Verse 20. Among whom are Hemanias and Alexander whom I have handed over to Satan That they may learn not to blaspheme. And the third call for you, dear friends, this morning is refuse to live contrary to your call. And this is exactly what Hymenaeus and Alexander failed to do. Loose living caused two individuals to be excommunicated. They made a shipwreck of their faith they got excommunicated and the call is that refuse to live this way not only to be that, that you're afraid of being found out because there's some people say i just want to live for the eyes of the pastor i want to leave for the eyes of the christian no leave for the eyes of god so that you won't swerve from the truth so that when jesus returns he will say to you good and faithful servants.
1: Don't run the
0: race because you want Mangisi to see you. You want Felix to see that all oh, this is a holy man. No. Refuse to live contrary. Refuse to be an example such as these guys. I was reading a book by John Owen called. Temptation resisted and repulsed. And he kept on giving examples about men and women over history. Who, fine, many people may take it lightly. But who started off well in the Christian life. But one scandal. Because you know, bad news. Travels faster than goodness. You can be good for 90 years. But on the 91st year you sleep. It soils the 90 years. And so he keeps on giving these examples of men across history. Who did not watch their lives. Watch temptation. Watch your appetite. Watch the things that you are feeding on. The things that you, uh, that, that you seem to want to learn. Because once those things affect you, it will affect your life. And once you fall into sin, sometimes there's no coming back. This is what Paul is saying. Sometimes, hear me, hear me closely, friends. Hear me clearly. Sometimes there's no coming back. we must be careful. We must be careful to lay hold of Christ. By way of example, David, remember, fell into sin with Bathsheba. He killed Uriah the Hittite. His baby died, the one that was born to uh, Bathsheba. Of course, he repented when the prophet Nathan confronted him. But his life went downhill. It never ascended. That's why we have to keep a good conscience. Fighting the good fight. Living above our circumstances. As Laura Status says, live above your circumstances. Do not sin. perhaps your life right now is a mess. Perhaps you have been living a double life. Or perhaps it's already a shipwreck. I call you today to return to the Lord Jesus Christ. I call you to surrender all self-righteousness all self-worth and go back to Christ. So that you may serve him with a good conscience. A clear conscience that you may wage the good fight. Because if you are in sin, you won't be able to fight. A wounded soldier cannot fight. You need to go to God. And say, Lord, help me. So as to not swerve from the truth. So as to not make a shipwreck of my faith. And so as to not be handed over to Satan. Church discipline is not fun. It's not nice. I've seen many cases. People ruining their lives and their testimonies over hold them on to sin Jesus is there listen to this from Romans 10 9 because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved you will be saved salvation is only in Jesus But then again we see that in 1st John For the Christian There's wells and wells and reservoirs Of forgiveness from God 1st John Chapter 1 verse 9 If we confess our sins He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Dear friends, it's better to enter heaven crawling and having lost all friends and having lost your street credibility than go to hell with a bad conscience. better a call not to swerve from the truth amen